nice to see families up here, isn't it? The Lowe family doing the responsive reading, the young people doing the offering, and uh, the Johnsons doing the special music. I like that. We are a family, aren't we? And it's good to worship as a family. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that today we can come into your house to worship you, to be with you, to be encouraged by your word. And as we go from this place, may we take your love and message out to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. My wife and I and family, we lived in Puerto Rico from 1989 to 2005, 16 years. And we would come to Florida almost every year for vacation. And we were on a mission when we came to Florida. Immediately when we got off the plane, we went to the Olive Garden. For you see, in those days, it was dark days in Puerto Rico. There were no olive gardens. But they have since seen the light, and they have them. But while we were there, they were not there. So we would, we would get off the plane and literally go right to the olive garden. A lot of good memories there. And the other place we would go to also is Target. There were no Targets in Puerto Rico. So I have, I, have two, I have three stories about Target. I'm not a paid spokesman for them, but they just, for some reason, they came together like this. Um, when I was in Minnesota working on my master's in education, we had to take a research class, and two of my friends and I, we decided that our high-quality research, we would study the shopping patterns of men and women as they came into Target. And as a man, I knew what the men were going to do. I mean, it was pretty pre-decided already. But we wanted to see, especially we would sit in the, the uh, area, the little eating area, cr across from where all those super saving bonus, wonderful things for a dollar are in those baskets. And we would track how did the men react to that and how did the women react to it. And I'm just reporting data. I'm not giving opinions here. The women would come in, and 90, over 90% 90 of them would stop, touch, look at, compare. All the great deals and items were right there in those boxes when you go into Target. The men come in the door. They're marching. They're on a mission. Pants in aisle six, batteries in aisle seven. Get their thing, boom, go. It was a general pattern. Men shoppers are on a mission. Women shoppers are having an experience. And that's what the research showed. So our talk today is going to focus on our main mission as Christians. The final target story was I had on my list of things in life something that I wanted to do that has sort of disappeared in the world right now. Is what it used to be called Black Friday, Black Friday shopping. And again, this involved Target. And a friend and I, we went to the Target over here on 436 at 7 o'clock at night, and we were like number 20 in line. The store's going to open at 4 in the morning. So this is a nine-hour experience. This was a mission. The line went all the way back as the hours went by to Home Depot, way down there at the end, winded around the corner, 
And when you're in line with people for nine hours, and if you like me that likes people, I got to know my neighbors very well. They learned my story, I learned their story. The hours are going by. About three o'clock in the morning, the barbarian hordes gathered in the parking lot across from us. And I was a rookie to this. The veteran Black Friday Shoppy said, these people are gonna rush the door at four o'clock. They're not dumb like you and stay in line for eight hours. They're gonna make a rush. They're gonna blitz the door. They're gonna charge. And my sense of justice was abhorred by this. We had had people through the night trying to cut into line and that was not gonna happen in our area. You get in line. But here were about 200 people and they were ready to act and the clock was ticking. And about 3.45, believe it or not, six police cars pulled up in like formation and were between us and Pharaoh's army. <laughs> and I was very happy to see the police there. The doors opened. Of course, they asked you not to run, which translated, translated means everybody runs. My friend and I were there to get, I was on a mission to get my first flat screen TV because I had had one of those big fat Sony ones for a long time. And they give you a map of where the items are so we knew where we were going. My friend and I, we had one shopping cart. We put our two TVs in the shopping cart, mine and his, and I headed for the cashier. Now you're only supposed to take one TV. People were verbally abusing me because I had two TVs in my cart and I said, it's for a friend. And they're like, yeah, right, sure, whatever. Focused on that mission. So Olive Garden, research, men and women shopping, Black Friday shopping. We all have our daily missions, our life missions, etc. But the question today, what is our main mission as disciples of Jesus Christ? And we're gonna keep this very simple. We're gonna stay focused in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. But I'm afraid, that many, I'm afraid that many in the Christian church have fallen into the trap of thinking that programs, preaching, uh, worship performances, concerts are the main mission of the church. And these things are not bad. I mean, I wouldn't be preaching if I thought it was bad. These are good parts of what we do, but these are not the main mission of what we do. I hope I can keep my job after saying this, Pastor. I know you're here to watch me and make sure. We'll see. But I believe that coming to church is not our main mission. It's important that we come to church, but our main mission is not to come to church. And also, bringing people to church is not our main mission. It's a good thing but it's not the main thing we should be doing. Doing programs among ourselves is fun and encouraging and uplifting, but it's not our main mission. Having social programs is not our main mission. And I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say, judging other people is not our main mission. I know a student that I was a principal of in academy who was out of the church for a while and decided to visit church and come back to church and had not been there for a while. And when this student came back to church, uh, they came back with tattoos. 
I'm not pro or con. I'm not taking a position here. But they came to church with tattoos. But they were smart enough to cover the tattoos when they came to church. They had not been in church for quite a while. And they told the story that as church went on, the speaker eventually got to the point where he started criticizing people who had tattoos and turned them off. Our mission is not to judge people on those kind of issues. Judging others is not our main mission. It's critical as Christians that we know what our main mission is because if we don't know what it is, we're not going to do it. So let's look clearly at Matthew 28, 18 through 20, a very familiar verse, but I want us to focus in on some key words and on the sequence. Let's look at the sequence here. Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Let's just start right there. When we're working, we're working with Jesus, and he has all the power. He has all the authority. He is going to help us in the mission that he gives us to do. Verse 19, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples. That's our main mission, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. I believe the sequence is critical here as we go through this. Jesus gives us a sequence of four commands that define our mission. They are basic, they are simple. I like simple instructions. Just tell me how to do it and I'll do it. The first one is go. The mission of the church is directed outward. And this is very important. The world is not going to come to the church. Newsflash. The church must go to the world. If we think that our main mission and objective is to bring people into this building, that's a couple steps down the line. God calls us, the mission of the church, to be outward directed, to go, to do things. And how do we do that? You have an example in the lobby, those two tables for school supplies. If you missed it today, you have two more Sabbaths to be a part of us as we engage our community to outreach to those around us who are going back to school. Newsflash, school starts in 10 days, 11 days. Are you ready, Ariel? You ready? Okay. There are those, imagine getting ready for school and you don't have a school book bag or you don't have notebooks, or you don't have pencils. We have an opportunity out of our blessings and out of our plenty to help a local community lighthouse center, help those around us. And you know around us within about five miles of here are a lot of people there are in desperate, desperate need. There are 2,000 homeless children in Seminole County. 2,000 that need help getting ready for school. So the church must go. We have our health ministries here, our cooking seminars and other things. If you've never been to one, the exciting thing is when you go there, over half the people that attend are not from the church. I like church people. I like you guys. I like hanging around together. But our ministries must be for others. So when we conduct these health seminars and other things, we have people coming that are being ministered to. Our gift and thrift ministry. How many of you, well, I'll just say, are you aware where it's at? 
right near the building here. Go down there sometime and see the amount of people that go through there and are ministered and helped. Quilting ministry that goes around the world that helps people, that prays for people. And of course, our Sabbath school classes that have projects and things they're doing. All these things are geared to us going. But my question to you is, how many of us can do something? All of us, you all, we all can do something. So Jesus says go. And he says make something. Make disciples. Our main mission as disciples is to make other disciples. So how do we do this? First, it's very easy. Your witness is how you live your life. The way you live is your witness. Second, how you treat people. And let's just put a challenge here. Start with your family. How do you treat your kids? How do you treat your husband? How do you treat your wife? How do you treat those in your house? Thirdly, by serving people. How do you interact with your neighbors? I'm not going to make a statement here. I'm just going to say facts. I have a neighbor who put a huge Confederate flag on his Jeep. He's proclaiming a message. I'm trying to figure out how do I interact with him. And with the last name Sherman, I'm a little hesitant <laughs> under Civil War context how to engage that. Um, there will come an opportunity, I know that by serving those around us, our neighbors, by sharing the teachings of Jesus and by caring. Serving, sharing, and caring. We can all do that, right? In different contexts. Thirdly, well, in regards to this serving side, there's a very, uh, very well-known statement in the Ministry of Healing that goes like this, Christ's method alone will bring true success in reaching people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. So we can mingle. He showed his sympathy for people. He ministered to their needs. He won their confidence. And then he said, come, follow me. That is a recipe that he used that we can use. Some of us are more outgoing than others. If, you, if you're an introvert, you can still mingle. You can still be there. You have to talk to somebody in this world at some point or another. We can show sympathy. We can help others. How do we do this? Again, I go to home, school, church, powerful combination, your neighborhood, your work. Basically, you know where you can make disciples? Everywhere. Everywhere you go. I have a short little two-minute video that I think captures what Jesus is trying to say to us in the Great Commission. Let's take a look at that now.
Okay, it's not a complicated concept, is it? But it's a powerful concept. Jesus says, go, make disciples. With school coming, the academy starting, Force Lake Education Center, those are disciple-making, I don't want to say factories, disciple-making ministries where every day those young people have Christian teachers that pray with them, that care with them, that teach the Bible, that live love and caring for them. What a powerful ministry. So Jesus says go. He says the third concept here is baptize. I'm going to let you in on a secret. The first people I've ever baptized were three weeks ago. I was a very young pastor, and I don't know, for some reason, pastor, the senior pastor did all the baptizing, and uh, I just sort of helped with the process. But three weeks ago, I got to baptize my sister's three kids in Kettering, Ohio, which was my dad's church, in the same baptistry that their mother was baptized in. And the little one, who's about nine, when she came out to the baptistry, she started to swim around. <laughs> it's a fairly large baptistry, and I could see what was happening, and I gently grabbed her collar and pulled her in, and she was smiling and having a good time. She was so happy, and I asked her, I said, why are you being baptized? She said, I want to live my life for Jesus. That's good enough for me. And the two older brothers and sisters, to baptize them, that was sort of exciting that my first baptisms could be my sister's children. Jesus calls us to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's interesting here, he says, go, make disciples, baptize them. I think the sequence is important. And then he finally says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded them. Baptism is a public witness and proclamation that somebody wants to live for Jesus. We can lead people to that decision. We cannot make that decision for them. We should not be the Holy Spirit. We should be the loving agent and hands of God to help that happen. So to teach them all things that I have commanded you. Focus in on the teachings of Jesus. So what do we teach them? It's very simple. Love, care, dignity, honor. And we all have many missions in life. If you're a mother of children, your day is full of missions. If you're a father, it's full of missions. Driving children here, going there, doing school, shopping, cleaning, doing all these things. Whatever your missions are in life, uh, they fill up your time. But as Christians, it's important that we keep a focus on what our main mission in life is. When I went to college in the early 80s, it was sort of pre-computers, they gave us a, a handbook, a checklist of all the classes that we had to take to get our degree. And I saw, Pastor, six semesters of Greek on that checklist. And I said, I need miraculous help here. But we had that checklist, I have it somewhere packed away, where every time you finished a class, you would check it off and you were closer and closer to your mission of gradu graduating. Today on my iPad, I have three lists, things to do today that I better get done today, then things to do in general that can take a little time to do, and then the third list is big goals in life. It helps us to stay focused when we do that. But as a Christian, Jesus says to you and I, I have one main mission for you, and you all can do this. Go and make disciples for me. May the Holy Spirit help us to stay focused in these times, these crazy times.
We're going to be bombarded with the political. Get ready for two years of political ads and arguments and other things. We're bombarded by tragedies. Uh, we're surrounded by craziness. We have to stay focused through the chaos on what God really wants us to do. May the Great Commission always be our mission. It's simple, but may we not forget it. May we stay focused on this until Jesus comes. And we really need Jesus to come, don't we? We really need him to come. We're a week closer, and it's coming. It's very encouraging that at the end of this process, Jesus leaves us with a very familiar promise in verse 20. And I don't know about you, but I need this today. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We do not work alone. We do not make disciples alone. The mother in the house who feels like she's not doing anything, you're discipling your kid. The frustrated teacher, uh, the business person, sometimes the discouraged pastor, the father who doesn't feel like he's impacting his family, the grandparents, Jesus says to you and I, fear not. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So my challenge to us as a church is, let's go. Let's keep doing. Let's do more. Somebody came up to me um, three weeks ago and said, this church doesn't do anything. I said, how much time do you have? And, but I said to the person, what would you like to do? Where would you like to serve? And each of us can do a part. If you're not in Sabbath school, if you're not in quilting, if you're not in gift and thrift, you're not doing Bible studies or whatever, find what you can do. Go, do it. And together, let us make disciples for his kingdom. This is our challenge from our Lord today in the Great Commission. Go, make disciples. I'm coming soon. I'm with you. You can do it. Amen.